Thank you for joining us on a Morley podcast with Tony May. Morley podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith, are not dead. And Morley podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. And welcome, welcome back to a more elite podcast. I'm your host, Tony Main. Ranger for Life LLC is happy to provide this podcast nearly every week. New episodes coming to you on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts, Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And we've got a great guest, Crosby Kistler, and we'll talk a little bit more about him and his journey and how he ended up in finance, which seems to be uh, a buzzword industry that a lot of folks like going into during their transition. And about that transition, we are excited to launch tomorrow our first more elite transition course. Only once a week for two hours on Tuesday nights, Rangers and other soldiers have the opportunity to take part of what we feel will rapidly become the best transition course available to our service members. So once again, that begins tomorrow night. You can go ahead and register for the May, July, or October openings at rangerforlife.com backslash transition. And we are halfway through Run, Rager Run. Nope, Patriot Challenge used to be Run, Rager Run. Now Patriot Challenge has taken the mail for gallant few. Obviously Rangers lead the way and led the way into the creation of Patriot Challenge. Go ahead and join our team benefiting the Ranger Outreach Center. You see the link there. You can go to give.gallantview.org rock or use the QR code. And the best thing about it is all funds raised stay right here in Columbus with the Ranger Outreach Center to help Rangers at each battalion. And then finally, coming later in the year, right before the, the day before the Mogadishu Mile in downtown Columbus will be the Ranger Reveal. Why the Ranger Reveal? Because Columbus, Georgia is not Savannah, and we are going to introduce Columbus to the heroes that reside at Fort Benning in the 75th Ranger Regiment and those that serve in ARTB. And we're so excited that our guest speaker will be the youngest consecutive MVP in the National League history and Atlanta Brave Hall of Famer Dale Murphy. And we'll have information on sponsorships and tickets coming up before the close of the month. And now we'll get started with our guests. This young man, I had the opportunity uh, to meet while serving on the 75th Ranger Regiment headquarters staff. You never know backgrounds and people you're going to meet when you get onto into a staff position in the in the Army. But Crosby, thanks for joining us today. And before we find out a little bit about, about you, let's just get to the punch. How did you... Right. Go from your job at Ranger Regiment and now you're in corporate finance. Like what is this corporate finance thing that everybody's doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tony, thanks for thanks for having me. It was uh, it was a circuitous route getting where I where I am today. It definitely was not, you know, when you and I were working together, there was definitely not this kind of sense that this is where I wanted to end up or this is what I wanted to do. But, um, you know, it was kind of through being uh, in college, being surrounded by 
a bunch of different veterans who were working um, in sales and trading at Deutsche Bank at the time and had some really good friends just kind of look at me and go, hey, we really think you might like this. We think you might enjoy, you know, and, and you'd be successful in finance. And I, you know, kind of poo-pooed the idea initially because I just didn't know anything about it, right? This wasn't, I grew up in Oregon, right? This wasn't, you know, Wall Street was kind of a, you know, it was this thing that existed in the ether, if you will, mm -hmm. right? There was no kind of real connection. But, um, you know, I, I ended up interning with DB uh, twice and then ended up uh, being asked to come back full time and, you know, found the role that I have now um, through networking internally, through a lot of kind of research on my own, but, but more than anything, it was the exposure that I got kind of through an internship to see firsthand, you know, what a trading floor is like, what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how certain institutions like DB look at what's going on in the world, how they make sense of it, and then, you know, kind of come back to this, you know, either it's a thesis or kind of a, an idea as far as the way forward and in, in investing or helping clients. And so, you know, once it was this, it was almost an eye-opening experience, right? Because you're, you're starting to see the things that matter to companies and the way that they kind of, you know, their their mentality or their strategy in certain sectors or, or whatever the case is you're starting to think oh well you know this little news article over here that couldn't possibly have an effect and you just see how interconnected everything was it was a whole different world that was opened up to me and um you know once i kind of got a taste for it it was it was fascinating and it's something that you know i've enjoyed ever since i started so um, you know, I, as far as how I got here, I mean, it was, it was an internship and it was, you know, through, through college. All right. But in what you do right now, let's give us uh, an idea as an analyst for a major firm, like what's your time commitment? What's this work like? Like, and, and, and with that, tell us the parts that you like about it and the things that where some people need to be kind of, uh, not wary, but aware of as part of the job. Sure. Yeah, I think so. It's going to vary as far as time commitment for different analysts and, and where they're sitting, what kind of coverage group or what kind of desk they're sitting on that that's going to change. But uh, for me, it's, you know, or we're talking primarily, you know, 7, 8 a.m. to anywhere 6, 7. So, I mean, justifiably probably about, you know, a 12 hour workday ish. Um, for your investment banking analysts, probably going to be a little bit longer. Um, you know, your sales and trading analysts, going to move them kind of up earlier because they're then before the markets are open and then they leave kind of, you know, right around when the market's closed. So, I mean, that's closer to a, a 5 a.m. to a, you know, let's call it 6 p.m. Um, workday. But um, the, the things that I think are the most fascinating, right? The parts that I was drawn towards are, you know, there was this research aspect, right? Where you're getting all this insight and all this deep dive knowledge on a company, on what's going on in the world, what's, you know, how are people kind of thinking about what's happening? And it was just a completely different way to view 
current events to view, okay, this makes sense as to why this company would react this way as opposed to that. So you start kind of connecting the dots. And that's that was kind of the the initial draw. And you know, as I've settled into the role here that I I have now, I think that the the most satisfying, I guess the most rewarding part um, of my job is so currently I, I work um, in what's called security services and agency securities lending. We do a lot of work with public pension funds. Um, we do a lot of work with central banks and um, you know, our clients are trying to generate revenue for people that work for their state or work for their city. And, you know, our job is to make sure that, you know, they have the liquidity that they need. They have the ability to pay out those pensions. There's a reward knowing that, you know, what we're doing is, is really helping out a lot of states that, you know, have a lot of really hardworking, you know, tenured committed employees. And we're making sure that, you know, their retirement is, is taken care of and that there's no concern there for when they do decide to, to, uh, to go ahead and redeem their pension. Tell, tell me a little bit then about what, what are some parts of the job? Um, not a buyer beware, but a, um, someone looking at a finance career to be aware of it are obviously the hours, right? Like the idea sure. you're going to lose, uh, uh, leave the military and yeah. then be able to have this like, Oh, well, I'm just going to go work really hard nine to five type thing. Uh, right. Especially when you start out may not be uh, all it's cracked up to be or even exist in, in your field. It's a, it's a great point, right? I think a lot of people have um, a thought as far as what they think the, the time commitment will look like, you know, when they get out of the military. And again, it, it's all dependent on, on where you're sitting, kind of what you're working on. But I think part of the, the success at least that I've, I've seen with other veterans is that, you know, working odd hours is not something that's out of our purview that we're not familiar with. Right. And so the ask for, you know, Hey, we need a quick turnaround on something for a client. You know, we have a deadline six hours, you know, we need to turn this around. You're going, okay, it's late at night, you know, could be a lot worse, right? It could be late at night, you know, when we're, you know, you got a 5k and fill in Afghanistan, right? So it's, it's, there's a little bit of that. I think for me though, and, and the one thing that it really was kind of the, took the most adjustment as far as being a veteran and then this being my first kind of foray into the civilian, um, in the civilian work sector was that, you know, we have a very hierarchical structure in the, in the military, right? You have your team leader that you go to, they have squad leader up and down, right? You know who to go to and that's first line. That's the person you talk to. You're not going and asking, you know, Sergeant Major, hey, uh, you know, where are the paper towels for this cleaning detail, right? <laughs> like, you're just not doing that. Coming into an organization like this, it's, it's they, can, they call themselves a flat organization, Right. And so you're expected to interact, network, sit with everybody on a desk. Right. And you're. And so it was just this very interesting kind of dynamic where, you know, I'm working on something and then all of a sudden, you know, the head of the desk is going like, hey, you know, why aren't you 
sitting with me, aren't kind of looking over my shoulder, asking me what I'm doing. And I go, are, aren't you a little, are you a little busy for me to be doing that? Like, isn't that, you know, there, there's about eight people between you and me that I feel like I should be going through. And it was having to kind of break that down and go, no, no, this is legitimately a flat organization, right? Like you going up to managing directors, directors, people who have seniority, you can't be timid, right? You can't be like, oh, okay, well now all of a sudden, you know, I've got first sergeant who, you know, he's going to put me in the front leading rest. No, no, it's, you have to work on this team and it's top to bottom. It's everybody. So I think that was one of the, the challenges initially. Um, and I think the other one for, for veterans too, that I think has been a challenge that I've noticed and, and talked with a few is that, Look, the, the civilian world is different in the sense that you're not getting task condition standards, right? You're not being given kind of the playbook of this is what you need to do. Step one, two, three, you know, it's all laid out for you. It's, hey, get this done, right? You have to be creative sometimes. You have to think outside the box. You have to, um, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable with certain things, but it's a lot of research. And I think the thing that, um, you know, I learned the hard way was that, oh, okay, well, I'll just bootstrap it, figure it out on my own and, and do it myself. And that's what'll get you in more trouble than anything. You need to be collaborative. You need to work with other people. You need to be able to ask questions. May not be your favorite person on the desk. You still need to get their insight because they may have something they may have experience with this company. They may have something that you could add that you didn't think of before. But if you prevent yourself from having those conversations, then you're really limiting yourself as far as your your overall ability and, and what you're uh, kind of what you're producing. Did you do you see a difference at all in terms of the folks who come into the industry that are single? or those with families? And I know that's kind of switching direction a little bit, but generally, you know, when people transition, they're a little bit older. Um, you know, they might be starting that whole process a little bit older and have families. Is, does that make too much of a difference from what you've seen? So it does and it can, right? I think, so it's a, it's a really good point that you bring up, right? Because, you know, kind of the track that I've been talking about is a very traditional, get out, go to college, get an internship, you graduate, you then start working there, right? But as you kind of alluded to, that fits for kind of a more specific, tend to be, you know, younger, single, or, you know, not not a, a huge family, but the ability to kind of be mobile and and to say, you know, yeah, sure, I'm willing to move to a location because the desired industry is what I'm pursuing. Now, I also, and, and I've had this conversation numerous times with, with folks who, you know, are like, well, let's get every single ranger that's graduating into Columbia. And it's like, that doesn't work because we have, you can have an E7 who has three kids living in, you know, Savannah, relocating to New York City probably doesn't make the most financial sense, right? Doesn't make the most sense as far as you know having to move everybody onto the island of manhattan you're having to go to school and 
there's a lot of things going on, right? Let alone if you've already owned a house, you've got a car, a lot of a lot of things that you are committed to. Um, but that's not to say, and I think what is kind of beautiful about the industry of finance is that you're going to find small boutique or mid-market finance players all across the country. I don't know if you remember, do you remember Kirk Stafford? I do, yes. So he's down in Alabama working for a PE fund that focuses on um, on energy, right? There's a guy who's working in the finance industry, but is also living in Alabama, right? So you're able to kind of access the industry from, from everywhere in the world anymore that you would like. So it's not prohibitive as far as, you know, relocating or, or moving or kind of that. But I think that it's something that, you know, doesn't get talked about enough and that a lot of people should take into consideration when they are thinking about that next step in their life. All right, Crosby, and you brought it up and I want to go there. I want to go the and, and talk about Columbia a little bit, but you had a journey through higher education. You did, you weren't what we see now as, as we hope with Ranger for Life to kind of build a little bit more of a solid um, set of menu of options and education for guys when they get out to kind of streamline this process. But you actually uh, followed a girl, maybe, I don't know, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and end up in, 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 the, in the great state of Ohio. Um, you know, I'm more of a Southern Ohio guy, but that's OK. Yeah. And going to Cleveland State. But then what happened there? And what was that interaction of, of that, this thought process that, oh, I can go to Columbia. I want to go to Columbia. That's, I'm going to kind of change paths a little bit. Yeah. I uh, actually, somebody that you worked with, Mike Noble. Um, yeah. He was the one who, yeah, he was the one who actually turned me on to Columbia. He was the one who said, hey, I think there's something here you might want to check out. And I initially laughed at him and said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no way, you know, somebody who had a, one nine two point GPA when I graduated high school, what would I be doing in the Ivy League? Come to find, you know, some more information. Worked with Lead the Way Foundation. Um, you know, Jim Regan and that whole organization do some really great stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so I got con, you know, I got connected with with Columbia. Um, you know, I, I did a, a few semesters at Cleveland State, and. I think it just got to the point where I realized I wanted more of a challenge. Um, I wanted to be in a place that, um, you know, there was a little bit more of a broad kind of industry back, you know, as far as choices for, for what kind of you know job I might get into, because at that time I really still didn't know. Um, but it just, it felt a little bit limited in Cleveland and I, you know, had the opportunity to, to go to Columbia and it was just one of those things where kind of kind of don't say no to it right you've got to got to take that opportunity and so yeah I did I, I spent a couple of years uh in Ohio and then uh you know it snowed in May Tony I don't know how you guys do that I don't know what you talk it out Ranger <laughs> yeah, you, you do but <laughs> so now so you end up going to Columbia right mm -hmm. and you, you get integrated. It seemed like you integrated in that culture pretty quickly. Um, 
vice president, president of the military uh, veterans affairs uh, mm -hmm. council organization that y'all had there during your time there. I believe Columbia stood up the center for veteran transition and integration mm -hmm. with some great people led by uh, Dean Curtis Rogers and Beth Morgan and a bun bunch of other folks. Those are my interactions, but I, did you expect to go there and just start becoming kind of like a pipe hitter veteran or <laughs> how, did, how did that kind of, how did that kind of mature as you, as you got on campus? Um, yeah, I, I showed up to, to campus um, on my own. Right. I mean, I didn't really know anybody and it was kind of the one little outlet that I had where I'm meeting people and, okay, you know, fellow veteran, fellow veteran, right? You serve, right? Point of uh, familiarity, right? And so it was from there, you know, I, I met, you know, the president at the time, name's Al Chang, still a really good friend of mine. One of the best people I've, I've had the opportunity to, to become friends with since I got here. He automatically said, hey, you know, I'm interested in kind of helping out with with mill vets and he goes done i'll appoint you to a position let's get you let's get you working right let's nice. let's do something <laughs> it's just more and it, yeah and it was and it was that kind of mentality of didn't think twice didn't have any questions it was you want to help great let's put you to work and it was kind of that mentality where i was like okay so this is how it works here Right. You put yourself into a position to be, you know, useful to get to work on the things that you want to work on. You know, you, you have to be kind of, you know, hand up saying, hey, I want to I want to be involved. And yet when that's met on the other end by somebody who says, I want you to help, I want you to, you know, be more proactive, be more involved. It, it really is. Um, it, it was kind of that that loop where you're going oh yeah i love what i'm doing you know it's it's that teamwork kind of vibe that i absolutely loved and then it just kind of grew and eventually you know yeah three years of being on campus and um i was in a i was in a position you know on the mill vets board for for one of those three years each one of those three years and so I'm very proud of kind of what we were able to do, but it also was such a stark difference from where I came from, right? From, from being at Cleveland state and, you know, from something as small as they would have a, a designated veterans center. Right. And that's where I would go every day, do homework there. You know, that's where the, the people who I met and, and interacted with, we're only in that little room, right? I didn't have much as far as, you know, the, the network at Cleveland State, kind of outside of that. Transition, transfer over to, uh, to Columbia, and that was not the mentality, right? It was, no, no, full integration within the campus, right, with students from backgrounds far and wide and it was kind of this eye-opening experience that you know veterans have so much that we still can learn and appreciate 
that we just didn't get access to or haven't had access to yet. Um, and that was something that was, that was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that because if you have this kind of closed off system, if you will, of veterans and only being surrounded by veterans, you're really limiting your opportunities and your possibilities. And so to go to an, an institution like Columbia where, you know, tantamount to their mission is being integrated within Columbia University, within New York City, and how hard people like you mentioned, Beth Morgan and Curtis Rogers, work at ensuring that that is what we're doing, you start to go, okay, yes, this is, this is something where I want to help other veterans kind of reach a place where I have and go, you know, how, how can I enjoy as much that there is to offer that's being provided. You're at Columbia, and this yep. is great. You're volunteering. I think the whole idea of the Ivy is can I get in? But it's also can I handle handle the, the workload? If I if I read it right, we're we're talking to now a financial analyst who wants to help mentor the next generation, right? That coming in. That's why we do this. Yep. And you are a religious studies major. <laughs> yeah. So now bridge for me that gap of religious studies, unless you guys did like major in-depth reviews of countering offering plates. How that is <laughs> and kind of really that the importance of when you do pick a school, there's more stars that can align yeah. if you're in location, place based on what you want to do. I think it's a great point, you know, but uh, as far as being a religion major, uh, I will say it raised a few eyebrows in the interview room, <laughs> kind of going, what are you doing here? But I think for me, it was just, it was overall this, this desire, this kind of intellectual curiosity, right? And I got, when I got to Columbia and I kind of looked around and I said, okay, what do I want? What do I want to study? And I think the oftentimes the idea that a lot of students will have when they're selecting a major is what do I want to major in so that I can work in that industry? I think traditionally that's been the, the model, right? It makes sense. I think anymore, I think there's been kind of a, a shift away from having to be in an industry that you majored in, right? There's a lot more kind of overlap. Um, and once, once that was kind of brought to my attention, I said, well, okay, I'm at one of the best institutions in the world. Religion was always something that fascinated me, right? From, you know, a decision-making, from an origin, from a historical standpoint, from all of the, the current events and everything that it impacts, right? It's, it's something that everybody in the world has interacted or encountered to one, from one degree to another, right? My opinion, the only other thing that you can really say that about is economics or commerce, right? The idea that there is something that of value that you would like and you're willing to exchange something for that. So you have those two things that across basically every single society, culture, 
location in history, you've got those two things that remain constant. Um, now there's obviously differences and very, they vary, but I said, okay, I'm at Columbia. I'm in actually one of the best religion departments in the world. Why wouldn't I take this opportunity to learn from the best professors about a topic that I've always wanted to know more about because I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And so then it was up to me to go, okay, you know, as I learned more about finance and realized that, you know, I wasn't going to become a priest, uh, <laughs> that I, uh, I, it was on me to go ahead and do kind of the, the supplemental knowledge and, and education to, to go ahead and walk into an interview room and not just be a religion major, but to be a religion major who also is interested in finance, global events, you know, things that are, that are going on that would be pertinent um, to my job. And I think, you know, one thing that I would, I would always encourage is that save for, you know, needing to become a computer programmer or very specific degrees that you need for, you know, kind of more technical jobs, um, you can work in consulting, finance, you can work in tech, you can work in a lot of different roles and it, your degree doesn't have to match up perfectly with that exact industry. I think it's just your willingness to learn, you know, your, you know, how motivated are you to want to work at, for this company in this industry, right? And your ability to kind of channel and show that regardless of what it says kind of on your degree that you majored in. Let's add another layer to this then, right? Okay. So now we got a financial analyst who decides they want to study religion, right? After transferring schools, tell everybody what you did as part of being in the army. Uh, so I was uh, the battalion paralegal for 375 for uh, I think about four years and then uh, worked as the regimental paralegal um, and kind of went back and forth between RSTV and RHQ for uh, about three years as well. So yeah, I was, did that uh, both at Benning at 375 and then uh, deployed to Afghanistan for, you know, be the chief paralegal for the task force. I want to bring up a couple of points for the listeners and especially I mean, if there are, there are Rangers listening to this because they were interested in finance, there's there's a couple of, I think, pretty pretty key points. You're only limited by what, by what you think you can or can't do. Correct. Now, until someone says no, right? Or into, you know, it, it makes someone not an aptitude test, but makes someone a human being on an application process say no to you, not 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 to yourself for one. Talk about. I think you've already mentioned the role of mentors once with Army Ranger Lead the Way Fund and their CAPS program, right? Uh, collegiate Access Program, where they pair up Rangers and, and mentors. And, um, you know, now we have Three Rangers Foundation, which has over 1,700 Ranger mentors across all spectrums of, of either college applications and admissions to diff all, all the industries. So tell me about the roles that other folks played in as you were making this decision? I mean, I wouldn't be here without kind of the other people, right? I think the, you know, we mentioned already, right? Mike Nogle, he doesn't reach out to me and say, hey, have you thought about Columbia, right? Um, 
you know, the assistance that I got from, from Lead the Way. Mm-hmm. All of the people kind of throughout this rather unorthodox journey of mine has been because I've had tremendous support throughout. Um, I've had supportive family members, friends, you know, guys who I served with who were all willing to just support, listen, provide kind of their, their thoughts. Um, you know, and it's something that, you know, at least in my head, it's important because you do it on your own and you're going to mess it up. You're going to, you're going to go, I wish somebody would have told me that. Now, part of that is asking, but again, the other part is, well, if you know who to ask, and a lot of times there are people who might be interested in working in a certain industry, going to a certain school, have questions about, hey, I've got a family and I'm ETSing, you know, I, is Columbia really the best option for me? I love my university, but there are obviously going to be limitations. And so it's this desire, I think, for me to kind of share what I've been able to kind of learn along this this journey with other rangers because knowing who to ask or at least having somebody that you're you can go I, I can reach out to him and he said he'd help is having a starting point is so so very important because otherwise you're looking around going I, I don't know what else to do these are my only skills that I you know basically retained have from the military and I talked to guys who were like I'm just going to go contract because I don't know what else I would do. And it's like, well, what do you enjoy? What do you want to learn about? What do you kind of, and once you kind of peel back the layers a little bit and you start to realize you're like, Oh, Hey, I think actually you might be great for this. And it's something they never thought about. And so being able to kind of just impart any sort of knowledge that I've learned along the way with other fellow Rangers or, you know, service members who, are just not sure where to go or how to go about it, right? Because we all are at that point at one point in time or not where we're looking around going, can I get, can I, can I get a time out? Can somebody just help answer a question for me? Am I doing this right? I think just kind of being that sounding board um, is something that's important to me because I've had so many people who were that for me. So it just it's about paying it back and making sure that we keep a strong healthy kind of ranger community after we're done serving. So we were just at uh, first ranger battalions, ranger for life primer um, before they do their bigger event with their leadership um, of sergeants and above um, in the summer. And one thing that Sergeant Major retired Mike Hall said is of those 1700 mentors that he has personally vetted for three rangers foundation, the vast majority served an enlistment or under 10 years. So that idea that you don't have to rely on that same level of leadership you expect in the military, a lieutenant colonel, a command sergeant major, like there is this network of folks who served and served honorably, but feel that commitment back to the unit um, and, and now can give back. And, yeah. and, and so, look, you know, a, a paralegal who goes through your journey, who influences bets across Columbia's, you know, formation to now 
you know, with what you're doing. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't yeah. take retiree. It doesn't take that person. Like your silver star um, was important for what you did on that day and, 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 and your service and heroics of that day. Right. However, and then the other portion, you said people, so team, right? Transitions a team sport. Yes. Yes, it is. And, and so I'll close with this, Crosby. If, if people want to add you to their team with your expertise, what's the easiest way to reach out with you and how do you feel comfortable? LinkedIn. Um, this is something that I've also told a number of veterans who are kind of getting out, just getting started with college. LinkedIn is your best friend. Um, it really is. And the ability to connect with people that you already know, the ability to reach out to somebody who's at a company that you're like, Hey, we have shared connections, right? Can I, can I ask you this? Or can I, the accessibility is, is really fantastic. Um, so by all means, I think anybody who would like to ask questions, reach out, doesn't even have to be about finance, doesn't even have to be about college specifically, but the transition period, right? Because, you know, when I when I got out, you know, I so I med boarded and then I moved to Ohio, lived there for two years, you know, bought a house, needed to sell that in a month, then had to move, find a place to live in New York. It, there's a lot of different things that kind of happened throughout my journey that, you know, you don't think about when you are in, right? When you're serving, you're thinking about, okay, we're training for the next two weeks and then I've got school after that. And then I have, you know, then we've got to go to the range, we've got this. And you're constantly kind of just doing these really, um, you know, your 10 meter targets, right? That's what you're kind of focused on. You're not thinking about, okay, what is going to happen when this all is done? When I'm finished with my time here, right? Because there is a shelf on service. There's a shelf life on service. And I don't think we realize that because when you're 18, 19, and you're in the Ranger Regiment, you have this air of invincibility. You don't think about, hey, this will come to an end. What will you do afterwards, right? How are you going to set up yourself for success, for your family, for everything else? And I think... You know, the, the other part that is really important is that there are so many times, you know, when we get out, we ETS, whatever the circumstances are, we're losing one of the most, if not the most important kind of social networks that we know that we developed at a very formulative time in our life. And then all of a sudden it's, it's very, very abrupt and it's done, right? But if you don't have a good plan or you don't have people that are, you know, who have successfully managed to get out and find a different kind of avenue, it can be really daunting. It can be very overwhelming and you can feel, you know, a, a bit lost in trying to figure out how you're going to go about it because, you know, you didn't think about it until you had six months left and you're like, I guess I'll just go to college. That's a possibility, you know, sure. You can go to college, but what do you want to accomplish there? What do you want to achieve, right? Are you going to the best university, right? Is this going to give you the best return on, on your investment? You know, is, is this something that is going to make sense for you in the long run? Because 
there's, you know, there's something that I read a while ago and I've never been able to find it again, but it was, it was a Rip Cadre member. He had written a, a blog post, I think, and said that we did a really good job of training you, but we never untrained you. And when you think of it in kind of that framework, right, where, yeah, we were ramped up and trained at the highest levels that anybody could ever hope for. But then when you're done and you have that sharp drop off and you're in the civilian world, there's a lot of things where you're going, this doesn't make sense. I'm not familiar with this. How do I navigate here? And it's, it's overwhelming. But if you have people who are in your corner, you have mentors, you have people who, you know, I've had in my life kind of since I got out, um, it makes it a little bit better. Makes it makes the transition a little bit more manageable because you're able to go, okay, I have, I'm able to make an informed decision as to my future. Um, and I think that's kind of just the most important thing for me is making sure that our guys are as informed as they can be so that they're making the best decisions that they can for their future. Well, you're definitely part of the tribe and team always will be, Crosby. Okay. I will say we linked back and got reconnected via LinkedIn, right? Like, yes. that, like this, this is, it's a thing. It, it is. is a thing. Um, and there's Get a your LinkedIn bit. profile set up. It's, it is. There's it some validity. There's some validity there. It is all business all the time. I, I, I told one of my uh, friends and, at Three Rangers Foundation, I was like, if you really want to get a hold of me, you need something, go go to my LinkedIn. I mean, my email right now, I, I hate to say, I'm over 300 deep in unanswered email. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that could be the life of a, of a new business <laughs> owner and a nonprofit. But LinkedIn, I'm pretty close to being up to date. Like, with You want to get to the top of my, right. You want to get to the top and you want to get my attention. You're going to go there. And that's you know, you're exactly right. I'm, I'm the same as you, right? The amount of emails that we get inundated with, um, you know, it, a lot of times it can get lost and get shuffled. It'll take you a little while to respond. You know, LinkedIn, it's on your phone, it's on your computer. You're able to access it kind of anywhere at any time. And it just makes the process of connecting so much easier. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it. All right, brother. Thank you for your time. We're blessed, blessed to have you. Once again, if anybody wants to reach out to Crosby to find out about that is a mission process for a top tier school, how to get integrated while at school, where to live in the city. Like if you decide to that you want to live in a major urban area and totally change the dynamic of your lifestyle, <laughs> how that looks. And then once again, just, just about what he's currently doing uh, as a financial analyst. Crosby, thanks again for coming on. Tony, thank you again for having me. And uh, thanks for all the great work that you and uh, Ranger for Life are doing. Hey, Rangers lead the way, buddy. All the way. Well, we were absolutely blessed to have on Crosby today. Go ahead and reach out to him if you think that you can benefit from a conversation. Busy man, but he'll have a virtual cup of coffee with you. And I just want to leave you with a reminder that tomorrow starts the first and more elite transition course. This is the first transition course built by Rangers for Rangers. And we know it'll add value to your transition. Go ahead and get fit this February. Join our Ranger Outreach Center team 
That's where this podcast is coming from, thanks to the generosity of St. Luke Church. So let's go ahead and pay it forward. And then finally, when you plan in for that Mogadishu Mile uh, event on October 1st, ensure that you get your tickets once they're available to the Ranger Reveal. So until next time, this is Tony Main. Thanks for joining a Morally Podcast. And just find some time today to do something good for somebody else. We hope you enjoyed a Morally Podcast with Tony Main, and we appreciate your viewership. If you'd like to hear more from Tony or one of his guests, you can view or listen to past episodes at TonyMain.Podbean.com. Until next time, be a community builder for America.